Surreal Saturdays, the show where we bring you everything fabulous and surreal. We are the delightful disruptors in front of you. I am the artist D. And I am Ada Selena. Happy 2023. 2023. Happy New holy Year. Shit, holy, holy shit. Happy New Year. Holy shit. Happy we've, New Year. We've made it. We made it out. <laughs> it feels it feels like we did. Doesn't too. it? What is yeah. that? What am I, I feeling? <laughs> I don't know. Like, because it, technically it's an arbitrary, somewhat arbitrary. Right. But I got to tell you, I woke up this morning and I was like, no, mm. it feels different. Yes. It's like we made it. Yes. <laughs> it feels like we're somewhere else now. That's I don't know. what I was expecting was for you to tell me it's just arbitrary. We're just continuing on. But I also feel like. It's a big deal. Although all of 2022, I was accidentally writing 2023. So Ooh. I kind of wonder if like I caught up either. I was so upset. I wanted to get out of 2022 that I got here, but I don't know. I've been kind of feeling like it's always been like, it didn't ever feel like it was supposed to be 22. So maybe something caught up with something. It was a strange year. Sorry. It was really, <laughs> don't even know how to begin to summarize <laughs> the year. Uh, yeah, it was a very strange year. It feel it's a relief that it's 2023. I agree that 2022 don't have to write that number anymore. Don't yeah. have to. Was, um, I mean, it was an amazing year in many ways for me. Um, but really, yeah, it was like, just do the work, get through the year, be careful, do the best right. you can. Um, so if all these memes that are like, oh, here's to writing 2022 and our checks going forward, like anybody writes a check, first of all, but no, I won't be, I won't make that mistake. I will happily write 2023. I like 2023. Um, lucky number seven, right? Yes. Two, two, three. Okay. If you're in numerology and you add numbers, ah, <laughs> that's a good one. We like that. Two, two. That's a six. That's a hard, yeah, that's a good number, but it's a hard, it's a working number, I think. Um, uh, seven, seven's got a little more luck, luck to it. Um, I like odd numbers, even numbers are, I don't know, even numbers are even numbers, odd numbers yeah, are odd numbers. I, exactly. <laughs> they, they are exactly what they are. And I haven't really felt like on point since 09. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I literally felt like something spun out of orbit for me in 09 and like a lot of people, but you can't really tell because every year the world gets worse. So we're never getting better, like better, better. Oh, nine. I agree. was an was a year. Yeah. That was like a Same year of shit. like, this is, this is, we're going this way. And it's yeah. like, no, please let's not do that. Right. No, we're definitely going this way. Yeah. Think that's gonna end well yeah well we're definitely going this way so now we're here and it uh, went that way it went that way and uh so maybe we're like getting off an exit or something now finally <laughs> well you know it's i feel that i've been mm -hmm. kind of on this journey ever since about that time yeah. and um Damn. and i felt that driving through town today where i just felt like i was here in a way that I haven't. I moved here in the spring of 2020. I'm coming up on my third year anniversary. Oh, that flew. And so I've been kind of in transition the whole time. And 
yeah, today I just really feel like I'm here. Like I live here. This is my life. I'm not in limbo. I'm not waiting for something. I'm not like embroiled in the past as much that I'm just, this is it. This is, uh, this is where I am. This is what I'm doing. And so, yeah, I felt just, even the town looked different thing. Everything, places I went, I went to a trail today that I walk with the dog a bit and I don't know, just looking at everything, it looked different to me somehow. Like it just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I did the same. I woke up. I was I was sober the, last night, which is strange. Uh, <laughs> I felt happy to be here and just oddly okay with everything. I'm, I am very happy to be here, here. Like, um, and much like you just said, from 09 on, it just, I feel like I've been working towards this, which is strange. That's, that's, that's a long ass time. Um, <laughs> I mean, we've both been through a lot, a lot uh, to get here. So that's really weird. But to help us celebrate, Beverly is in chat. Yay. <laughs> I missed her. She, she was my sound check gal. So. Right. <laughs> right, right. She'll let us know. Yes, she you... said we're on point. A miss. Oh, good. Yeah. You're not a miss. Yes. And so, and, well, I was really burnt out from Christmas because I did drink too much. So I thought, you know, let's just stop. <laughs> just stop. I didn't drink too much. I had my usual, like, small drinks. Mm-hmm. And so I was drinking my spice rum and watching The Princess Bride uh, in oh, the afternoon. That oh, was my sweet. big adventure because I was firmly in bed at my usual 8 o'clock. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um yeah, I enjoyed watching The Princess Bride, which from like a filmography standpoint, not that I'm like a super film expert, but I am an enthusiast. And I got to say, I think that's like one of the most perfectly made films mm. ever. It's yeah. like it's cut perfectly. There is not one second out of place in that entire film. Every single scene is essential. You could pretty much quote every single scene in that movie. There's no extraneous dialogue. There's no extraneous scenes. Every single, you know what I mean? Like, it's just the most, that's why it's so brilliant. (laughs) It's the most perfectly constructed film. The casting is ridiculous. The acting is perfect. Um, There's just, it's one of those magical films Mm. where it's just, perfectly executed regardless of like even i mean the script is perfect the content is fabulous and it's entertaining but when you're just looking at it from like why is this film enduring why can you watch it over and over why does everybody love this film and it is a perfectly constructed film and i am I I love film. I wanted to be, I was an actress when I was a kid. I wanted to be an actress. That was what I was going for. And um, I am fascinated by um, the art of movies, absolutely, and all of that. So I was enjoying The Princess Bride and remembering that it came out when I was in fifth grade. Living that old? Wow. 
And I remember very vividly going to school the next day because I'm in L.A., okay? And my my student body, members of my student body, their parents are actors and in the industry. So everybody knows what's going on in film all the time in a way that is not the case everywhere. We know when tiny films come out. We know when films come out that nobody else ever watches. Um, the world revolves around film in, in when you grow up in L.A., and so um, uh, I remember the day The Princess Bride came out and it was the talk of the schoolyard and everybody was quoting it. We're talking 10-year-olds. Everybody was quoting it immediately, hmm. immediately, the second that movie came out. This is, yeah. where I, this is where I horrify everyone and say I've never seen it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to now after that raving. <laughs> what the fuck is she talking about? It had to be there. Um, not, not my thing at that time of my life, for sure. So, and then, and knowing that it's that old, I, that's why I missed it. I didn't, wasn't interested then, but. Right. Right. Well, so um, it has all the brilliance, in my opinion, of a Mel Brooks film. The wow. humor okay. is not a Mel Brooks film but to me the humor is very like it's funny the whole movie is funny and to me it has a very Mel Brooks style of humor and that coupled with this very serious like what could have been a very serious script it's like it could have just been total camp mm -hmm. but the performances are and the costume design and everything the filming it's just um, it's just a perfect film Okay. <laughs> so Noted. We will watch it. <laughs> so I, I welcome the Princess Bride. Um, I there's watched. a character, the you, of course you know the famous character Inigo Montoya, the oh. Spaniard, um, that says, you know, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. I mean, I don't think you can exist without having heard that. So that, well, that I have heard. Yes. He is one of my like um, uh, muses, if hmm. you will. So um, I, I don't know if the actor is actually a Spaniard, but he is a Spaniard, you know, and any kind of like Hispanic or Latino character in film is kind of rare. So um, I, of course, always right. love the Spaniard character and he is on a drunken revenge quest. And I, too, have been <laughs> on a drunken revenge quest. I love it. Spanish persuasion. And so... I, uh, uh, yeah, that has been, in fact, I'm, I'm writing that down. Right? <laughs> uh -oh. We, we all need to be on a drunken revenge quest, especially <laughs> on this show. For sure. I, as I said today, I'm, I'm reformed, you know, yeah. I, I am reformed, but I, I absolutely, um, uh, have been on a drunken revenge quest and found, um, that cliche as it may be, welcome 2023, living well is in fact the best revenge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it truly is. And I've had a very like up and down year of all of the cliches. Like it came from the ashes, the horrible things and just uncomfortable situations kind of um pushed me through to like good shit so now we are we're both kind of 
living well, and I I don't expect that to uh, end because you know we're on a roll. So yeah. we are on a roll, lucky seven. <laughs> and that's so true because that is how this year began with mm-hmm. like things that we were on this path we were on. Yes. Each of our respective paths went. Nope, that's not happening. Yes. And we were like, okay, you know, it's been crazy, and this has been hard, and I'm not I'm not going down with this one. So we're gonna roll with it. Right. And, and for our, our listeners, I would say the sooner you take heed to that message, if that's happening in your life, the better, because I took it right away. Like, oh, this is not working. And I got out of the situation and it was it's bad enough as it was. If I had stayed like that would be terrible. And people do. They just stay because they don't want they don't think it's a bad thing or they think they should stay uh, the other thing that i've learned is like just because you are offered an amazing situation or an opportunity does not mean you have to take it hmm. that was a big one because i've i th- and i never honestly thought about that before i always thought oh if if this i think that's what i was raised with was if the situation arises the situation yes. take it take it grab it no, just because, um, you know, all the amazing things might look amazing and you should do them doesn't mean if you don't want to do them, you don't have to do them. You don't have to be that person. Well, I relate. Yeah, I relate to that a lot as well. And uh, they, the idea of what success is, the idea of what you should be excited about versus what you actually are excited about, the life you actually want to live and yeah, that's been, this year has been a big year for me and taking the life that I actually want to live, not trying to do what seems like the smart thing to do or the expected thing to do or like, yeah, just kind of saying, drawing my line in the sand and just being like, this is what I actually want to do though. I don't know why I can't, tell if it's a good idea. I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know if it's care but if i'm really doing me yes this is it this is it and it looks like it's it's it looks good on you thank you <laughs> well, i have to admit it's gone well and it feels really good yes. <laughs> it's very nice and, uh, and i swear the paintings are behind me on the floor i mean or the uh, photography is on, on the floor but because i have no room on the on the walls but we will find walls for them I can't wait to see them yes. on the walls. I know. I know. I teased everyone with the box that I got because you had a fabulous Black Friday sale. Was that that long ago? Wow. And they've been uh, sitting next to the on the bookcase on the floor. Some of of your more surreal prints in front of yep. the the colored lights. So every time I change the lights, they look really psychedelic. Everything. So I just, I get people in here and I take them to the studio and I show them the, the stuff on the floor. So <laughs> Very classy. I like it. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, that's amazing. You should hang those up. I'm like, I yeah. know, I know. But, it's been a hell of a, I've been just trying to keep up. Uh, now my exhibition is like about three weeks away. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> I got a lot. I, I mean, everything's on track, but I still have a lot to do, and it's going to be a busy month. It's good. Yeah. I'm very excited. Very and excited. Yeah. Debuting at the end of January. Your first is this basically like your first? 
It's my first kind like official <laughs> gallery yes. uh, represented yes. represented show. I've had a number of exhibitions going back to 2000. I think 2001 yeah. was my first show, which was at a restaurant in oh. Ohio. And uh, was just a uh, was kind of just a show. Uh, no, it, they were hosting um, many artists. Like mm-hmm. they were doing a rotation, like every month or every couple months. You know, they had somebody running it, and then you could. It was a nice space. It was a nice restaurant too. Too bad it didn't last. But um, and so I got invited to show, and that was my first show. And I just put together kind of a collection of various works and did the whole thing. It was very well received. And I got a lot of work from that. And then I moved to L.A. for a while. And then I left um, L.A. and bought my van and went on the road and photographed a bunch of stuff. And a lot, some of those images from that time are what's in the show coming up. And then I came back and I got another show at the Ojai City Hall gallery so that was a curated show not an official like gallery gallery but you know it was like a government building and and so that was kind of my first debut I'm a photographer and this is my work and so that was called cow in the moon and that launched my whole solo photography career going forward in southern california and so I did a bunch of projects after that and I uh, was part of some group exhibitions I've shown at um, the L.A. Art Show and at the Month of Photography L.A. in Bergamont Station. And um, one of the last things I did before I went out with a bang in 2011, disappeared for a while, was I posed nude on uh, the atom bomb statue that's in front of the Santa Monica oh. Civic Auditorium. Oh, shit. So... <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so in um in Santa Monica, which is where I I lived when I was a kid. I lived in Venice, I lived in LA, and then I spent time in Santa Monica. And in when I lived in Santa Monica, I was in middle school and I was in choir. So I performed, you know, in at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium in the choir ensemble, and I was doing opera and I was the another thing, I was one of like the elite opera singers in the ensemble and I went and competed in all of LA County, blah, 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 singing German opera. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> then, um, so just, then, just pour uh, out all the facts that we don't anyway, know. Anyway, yeah, this is my, my history growing up in, in Southern California in the arts of various kinds. I did piano, I did opera, I performed in theater, then I got into photography when I got older. So, um, so Photo LA is the big photo event that happens in LA every year, once a year in January. And it was always held at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium, which happens to be right across from the police department and down the road from the high school. So very much my territory. And there's a giant chain link statue in front of an atom bomb exploding. Hmm. And which was used to always be my handle on the internet back in the day was atom bomb. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> AOL instant messenger. so so luther gerlach is this uh well-known photographer who photographs uh, with one of the largest glass plate 
cameras. So mm. basically he shoots up to like 30 by 40 inch glass plates where you paint emulsion onto the glass and load the camera and mm. then develop it immediately in his mobile darkroom thing that he has. So it's like um, very specific thing. So he was going to, it was the, it was kind of towards the end of the time that photo LA was going to be in the civic Santa Monica civic auditorium. It was a difficult time. It almost like collapsed, but then it got saved and then um, now it's part of the L.A. art show, I think. But anyway, so Luther would do these nude portraits on his glass plate negatives. So he needed a model that would go and pose nude on the statue, on the base of the statue, during photo L.A. across from the police department. <laughs> so I got a call from my assistant who also assisted with Luther and just said, well, Luther's model backed out. And I thought this would be something you were into. So I said, yeah. Indeed yeah. you were. <laughs> I went down to L.A. in January uh, about, it would have been in 2011, very mm. end of the year of the tiger, 12 years ago. The last oh, year just, of the end of the year. We just got out of the last, we and, just uh, in a tiger year. Uh, and I posed on the statue and you have to pose for a minute for these glass plate things. So I had a big old jacket on coat, floor length coat, nothing underneath, full assistant crew, totally packed with tourists right across the police station. So we had a whole like, this is how we run if the police come out and try to arrest us. So we had. Oh, I love okay. this. So. We'd prepare for the exposure, literally, and, <laughs> and Hannah came and took my coat. Luther arranged my pose on the statue, and I had to hold it for a minute. And <laughs> literally, like, and then tourists, you realize how long a minute is. Yeah, and literally, tourists are walking by, taking pictures, snapshots. There are like photos of this all over the world, apparently, oh. and uh, and so uh, immortalized forever oh, nice, in front yes. of Santa Monica. Civic Auditorium, LA. It's in a collection in LA now, the the glass plate wow. from a little piece of history. So <laughs> who uh, again, who knew? Yeah. That's awesome. So that was and, fun. And the police did not come out and did and you, the police did not give a shit. Did not no, have to run away. Awesome. Wow. Not shit at all. And everybody was like, that's the power of performance. True. If I was just walking down the street naked, right. that would not fly. Exactly. This, this was the whole performance. It totally reframes the, the, you know, what it is. Um, and maybe they didn't even notice. I don't know, but it's like right there. I was like staring at the like doorway. Into the, <laughs> I've been picked up by the Santa Monica police when I was a kid, you know, so I didn't know that ditching school was technically illegal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was kind of nice. Wow. I just didn't feel like going. I was like, really? You can arrest me for, I mean, not arrest, but you know, yeah, they'll, they'll pick you up for that shit. It's apparently. true. It's my parents always threatened me with that. Um, come so get you. It was, it was a fond memory of singing choir memory. in the auditorium, being in the back of a police car, uh, you know, my, my wonderful life in Santa Monica. Yes. So that was kind of my last hurrah. And then I left town and kind of haven't been back since. <laughs> <laughs> now I live in a different state. Oh, you left your mark, you know. <laughs> 
So, yeah, apparently robots okay. deliver food now in L.A. They do. That? I see our, our one friend on uh, Instagram posting all the robots. And <laughs> oh, my God. What the hell? Oh, like, I've and, not been in L.A. in a long no, time. It's weird. Every it's, time I see one, it's like another cold, dark night for the robot delivering food. Oh, my God. It's yeah. so fucking surreal. It is. It's yeah, so it's... surreal. So anyway, long journey. Went on a journey, made all this art. Now I'm in Santa Fe, and this is my reemergence, my debut um, in in terms Gallery. of really doing my. This is like the first yeah. time this show is really yeah, my. That's that's what I felt like I meant was this is like your first for your your real you, in a real gallery. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's the whole thing. Uh-huh. Although, you know, the curator of the Getty was at one of my exhibitions. Oh, Hello. oh yeah. Hello. I'm very infamous, you know. People know I me. <laughs> I mean, you, we kind of knew that, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm hopefully crossing the fame threshold. I'm very infamous now. All these other people who are a lot more famous than yeah. me, who actually have success and fame, they all know who I am. Right. But I haven't gotten there myself yet. So we'll Good. see. Well, that's why they, they hold us down because they're, they're up there and they don't want us joining them up there. Oh, I don't do things properly. I always, I do things my, I do, I got my, I got my own way of doing things and it takes a little longer to get there. Yeah, that's why it's taken so long. Same with me is like, if I, if I would have just, you know, gone along and did the thing, it probably would have happened a lot sooner, but no, and I wouldn't have been me and I wouldn't be me now and. That would be that would have been a whole if I like bowed my head and just went along with shit, I'd be a screwed up individual. I mean more more so than I am. Can't imagine. I mean, I did try. Yeah. I tried oh, I, to, I tried too, yeah. And and I was like just not Yeah. I th- I guess that's that's the difference is I mean they, they did it and it's like okay. Apparently, because they did and they made it and it's fine. But like I did try and and I mean, a lot of these people I know are extremely innovative people and, you know, have been through their own stuff and everything. Um, but yeah, some things just take time. And my work is like a lot to do with time. True. And so you couldn't really do it fast because you have to actually do it. Yes. And like this work is 20 years of work. And it's 20 years of my life and it's an autobiographical piece. So you can't really do, you can't really do that, you know, in an afternoon. So. (laughs) (laughs) Afternoon on Instagram. Well, yeah, there's different kinds of art and all art evolves over time and becomes a body of work over time. But, um, but yeah, I think it's good. I mean, it's really hard to go through all the stuff that I went through. And like, it was hard not getting greater success at a, a younger age, you know, when I was still like really like fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Lean back. Yes. I know. <laughs> It's not that interesting to me. I mean, looking no. fabulous is great and all, but it's yeah. just not enough. And so, yeah, yeah. It, it just, yeah. It's, I, time yeah. is a, I've always, once, once I had some time <laughs> under my belt, I realized how effective just being around is. 
because people now they tell like I am myself. I am very much myself. And I show people like I can do drag and I can do all this stuff. And I'm, I'm this strange individual that has these so-called scandalous talents and or representations. And now people are like, well, yeah, that's great. Cool. Whatever. You could have always done that. Really, I couldn't have. Because when you're 20 and you do that, it's not okay. Like with normal people. But when you're 40 and do it, and you've been doing it and you're like, oh, you're, it's like something about you, you being alive for so long. Like, it's just okay. Like I've done this for 20 years and I'm successful at other things. So suddenly now I can be a drag queen and be okay. Also. I hear you. I think the culture has moved a tad, Mm. but also I agree. I think Mm. that I'm definitely, I've kind of just stuck to my path and I am what I am. And I didn't do this other stuff and I don't care about that other stuff. Um, I think people think that's weird um, that I'm not motivated. Like I, I do want fame in a sense in that I want to be famous enough with my work that I can continue my work and that it is supported and that I can communicate what I want to communicate. Um, But if I'm not communicating what I want to communicate and the life I'm living is not the life that I want to be living, then I'm not interested in it. So I think that people have found that a little bit strange and that I want my success to actually be an outgrowth of my life being what I want it to be. I don't want to modify my life to fit the standard of what being famous requires. And you have a, a reasonable reason. <laughs> That's a, that makes sense as to why one would want to be famous. but mo- And because you understand the rest of the story there. I mean, most people think they want to be famous because they want to be loved, cherished, immortalized, especially immortalized. I feel myself. And we're not really into that. I'm not, I was, I tried really hard because I wanted to like make my mark so I could not be forgotten in a, in an easy way. Cause I still would, I, I, now I know I will be remembered because I am loved by people and, have people that love me and carry me on. But back in the day when I didn't have that love and those people and that family, that was more like, I want to, I want a statue. Cause that's all I got. Like, you know, <laughs> let's make a statue of this famous person. And then I'll be remembered that way. Right. As a, as a legend. At least in our own mind. Exactly. But now I'd rather be famous so it would make me rich enough to do what I like to do and continue to convey the message like yourself. So that, that makes more sense. But a lot of well, people out there, they just take the, the cheap way out because they want to be immortalized and stuff like that. Well, exactly. I think it's just um, a... Uh, it's just a way... It's just what's going on in our society. Um And, uh, when I was younger, this is the heart of like going, not so much where I'm coming from now, although where I'm coming from now for sure, but definitely in the beginning growing up in LA, 
what impressed upon me as a young person was very simple. The people, any people, will not listen to you unless you're famous. Right. It was that there's simple. That, I looked around. Too, yeah. Nobody was listening to me. It was very annoying. I had things to say. I knew what the fuck. That is true too. Yes. They wanted to listen to these other people who were famous who definitely did not know what the fuck. Not to be whatever, but I'm telling you, it's just so I thought, okay, if I get famous, then people will listen to me. (laughs) That was it. I forgot about that part. Yes, you're right. (laughs) That was it. Like all these people. Nope. Just assume, which I just think is honestly, mm-hmm. sorry, people, like really fucking dumb, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, just because somebody has a platform, just because mm-hmm. somebody has a ton of followers or back in the day was on television or was on the talk shows does not mean they know anything. It doesn't mean they don't know anything. Right. But it's just really not in any way a true validation. Sometimes it is. Sometimes people have really done the work. They know what they're doing. They put themselves out there. They get, you know, whatever they're, they're the real deal, but many times they're not, or they're really good at one thing. Doesn't mean they're really good at everything. Just because they're good at certain things doesn't mean they are, you should be listening to them on other things at all. Exactly. So I feel like in we grew up firmly in the mm. fame era, post-television, Andy Warhol's world. We've only gone further, further and further into it with social media. Our generation was like the first early social media people before it was like, you know, a normal thing, you know, in the chat rooms. And you had a lot of celebrity early on and have gone through the whole roller coaster of of existing in that world so i think we have an interesting perspective on fame this is true that is very true and it's that mysterious diploma theory like and and i was told this but my aunt told me this when i was just a little 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 d lowercase d that it doesn't matter what diploma you have nobody asks you that although they do sometimes but at the time she was just kind of being very vague being like you just need to have this thing because back then that was also the generation of oh my god you have to go to college which i did not but it was go to college and get your diploma doesn't matter if you have a diploma in uh you know chicken rearing but you gotta have that you just have to have one because nobody asks you in what they just you apply for the job and you're like yep got a diploma and they're like oh okay great come on in and it's the same with with time with everything else is i mean i still i talk about how i coded in 97 in html but i mean we don't do that anymore but that still like means something to people does it oh good <laughs> yeah it does I can't figure yes. out what means anything to people yep. anymore i'm like i just this- i just use that to, yeah, um, that's good yeah. i was like is it now i've been doing this in obscurity forever <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. No, I mean, what? Yeah. And I mean, because I kind of I convey when I'm looking for projects to like marketing and things that I, I have all this behind me, but it's something, but it's not really a lot of something because it's what I'm doing now. It's how I know how to do it now. I'm not coding your web page for you now. 
but yet that means something. So, Well, it does. I mean, yeah. knowing how things work is something mm -hmm. because I will say things are getting weird. Like, why <laughs> the internet getting worse? Like, why <laughs> is everything work like shit? Okay, like mm -hmm. we have the f most technology, fastest, unlimited processing power, fastest mm -hmm. everything. Yes. And, and the functionality is just just dropping like a stone. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, I'm saying websites we coded by hand in oh, HTML yeah. were far more functional yes. than like the shit that's going on today. True. I would stay away from any mainstream website now. I don't want to get in, involved in all that mess because it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we've got, I mean, well, I mean, we've already proven that we created this amazing invention, this amazing device. We have all the knowledge at our fingertips, and yet it's just completely bungled up with bullshit. So much bullshit. We have all the power. We, we could have all the information, but we, we choose not to. And then Elon Musk buys Twitter. I don't think that's going to go well. I mean, it's not going well. It's not going well. <laughs> you like to go, No. No, like all the twat waddles are like, yeah, look at how fucked up I am. Come on, come get me. I'm great. And like everybody's, they just keep dropping like, it's not yeah. going well. And then of course, I mean, the Tate is just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Too it funny. Really, oh my God. It is surprising how quickly that went downhill. Yeah, no, you can't make this shit up. It's no. gone so plaid. It's ridiculous. Please tell me you've seen Spaceballs. I have, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good, definitely good film. There we go. So, yeah, plaid is my daily. It's just, it's all, it's all plaid. It's all completely, it we've is. reached plaid. We have, because now there's plaid. everywhere to go, but there's nowhere to go. It, it, I, I'm not on Twitter much. I took it off my phone. I'm not on Twitter. Um, it's. I mean, I've kept my profile there because right. I think it oh, might. Yeah. I think like Musk is going to go. Yeah. I think it's going to get. You know, but I'm on holiday right now. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I'm not. I mean, the way that I live my internet life is, I will never delete. You know, any any profile, and I will set up all of them just in case. But right. Uh, but I took it off my phone. It was. It literally just whatever he did it did something because people were like oh you're just doing that in you know like i'm anti-musk but no it was it really did oh change. the platform's shit right now yeah, and what's changed. with the whole like separate channel for the checkmark people yes <laughs> dude no no yes. and we started getting all these ads and it was just going crazy and i mean mastodon is cute but normal people can't handle mastodon I haven't done it because honestly, I'm just so like, give me a fucking break. I got shit to do right now. I'm not setting up another yes. profile. Although now I'm contemplating like going back to Tumblr and that just hurt my brain. Cause that, that's no, yeah. I, <laughs> that's am a I... segue from Mastodon now. Like people on Mastodon often use Tumblr as their preferred blogging. Uh, I didn't I... know it was still around. I did. I enjoyed. I had a I Tumblr it. for a while, and I did do Tumblr yeah. for a while. But then, when it got bought by Yahoo, yeah. I ditched it. But yeah. now that Instagram is like completely going down the toilet, yes. um, of course, as an image maker, Tumblr 
Tumblr is a nice uh, way to go when you want to do images, or at least it used to be. I have no idea what's going on there now. It still is. And that's when I got off of it was when they took away the porn, but <laughs> but not because of that. <laughs> I just couldn't figure out how to log in anymore. It, yeah, it, it, but it also took away the artistic nudity, the artistic. Yeah. It, it I was like that change. Really. Yeah, something happened when that switched over and like I just it wasn't the same yeah. world anymore. Because that's so. what I was posting was kind of just kind of edgy looking, interesting photography at the time and re reposting. It was there's a lot of good stuff. It's actually where I started curating my show right now that I'm doing Freed from Rage and Sorrow because I started posting pictures and, and engaging. And that's where I very first started kind of posting and engaging with my <laughs> photography. Beverly said, sure, D, sure. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it was, a, it was a big part of it, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's artistic. Yeah. yeah, it's artistic. But yeah, that, that's a good subtitle for your show. Curated on Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no. <laughs> uh, uh, no it was a good way for me when I left LA and imploded I was very depressed and I closed my business I went out of business and I was in hiding from everybody and I was getting you know shit in the mail like you need to pay us and like was not going to happen. Like I was hiding. I don't want to say too much, but I was hiding. So, um, I was pretty depressed and I felt like kind of a total failure as a photographer. And so, yeah, I was like in a definitely like a bad place. So I started posting pictures on the internet. Yeah. Uh <laughs> that seems to be the appropriate reaction. <laughs> So I started going into my portfolio of my body of work and just looking at what I liked because I, you know, I'd done client work for a long time and I've been out in the world and I just started looking, re-looking at my work and looking at my work differently and trying to figure out what I liked about, what work I liked. Did I even like any of my work? Because I was pretty much in a place where I was like, all my work is shit. My career is in the toilet. I will never be a photographer ever again. Don't <laughs> call me a photographer. I, they, my family was not allowed wow. to be a photographer oh for God. years years hmm. it was off limits i was like no i'm not a photographer don't use that word to describe me i was like i was like i was serious yeah. business yes i was i was huh. in place so <laughs> so you moved to tumbling yeah. <laughs> so anyway <laughs> uh so yeah i post i started going through my pictures and posting them on tumblr and like playing around with how i wanted them to look and just like figuring out what it was that i really liked and apparently i like grainy black and white pictures of nature and uh apparently tumblr does too so, i and, was about to say so does everybody else so there we go um <laughs> So, yeah, that was kind of where I began to pull myself out of my rut and just kind of posting for my own interest and exploring my work for my own interest and not identifying with that at all, with no intention of, of doing it. And yet also with an intention of doing it. Kind of strange. Somehow that existed simultaneously. It's interesting uh, how we different platforms test our material out on the public 
this way because I use Twitter the same way for ideas for blogs and comedy. Either one, like, does anybody get it? Do they laugh? Do they like it? So that I never thought about that on an on a photographer visual level. That's you know what's interesting experience for me with social media is because as we know, what goes viral is a little bit random and also a little bit not random, like a combination because you can post the same exact stuff at different times and places and get completely different engagement. So you can't 100% judge the quality on engagement. And yet you also know that if it does at any point get a lot of traction, that there is something there to, there is something to it because it's a, it's algorithmic. So sometimes your shit just doesn't get seen. It doesn't mean it's good. It just doesn't get seen, but sometimes your shit does get seen and people are like, ah, it's okay. Meh. Um, so when something gets seen and then gets a lot of response, that's interesting. And what I did enjoy while I certainly don't create in my own work, for the audience or change what I'm doing for the audience necessarily. I do find like what you said interesting in the feedback, like workshopping, um, to see that like, for example, I had been holding a lot of my favorite work back Mm -hmm. because I didn't think so. I guess I do modify for the audience, but in the opposite direction, I had been holding a lot of my favorite work back because I didn't think it would be taken seriously. Right. Well, you don't you don't take it for them. However, if you're curating something, you know, you're, yeah. you're doing it for the public. You're showing them. So you want to show something that actually resonates. So I shared work that I thought wouldn't be taken seriously because I thought it was too simple and not complicated mm-hmm. enough and blah, blah, blah. But it was what really resonated with me the most. And it was what resonated with the audience the most. And that was a really good lesson. Just like the, the prints that I bought. You didn't think that those... I know. <laughs> and everyone was like, flocks too. <laughs> I think all my work is shit. <laughs> I always think it's all terrible. I think like, that's, <laughs> that's kind of the sign of an artist. That's, I mean, it's what I'm drawn to. It's a weird sensation because it's just, it's obviously, I don't think it's shit because it's what I'm actually drawn to make and what I am actually satisfied with. I just can't imagine how other people see it or whether they'll like it or not or find it interesting because I'm just very process. I'm result oriented, but I'm very process oriented too. My, My people picked up those prints and they just stared and stared and I'm like can I have it back now and they're like wait wait no I'm looking I'm looking I'm like what are you looking at Jesus so, <laughs> so much because when I made those I made those almost 10 years ago now and I ha- didn't print them at the time and um, I imagined though that they would be that kind of fascinating experience in print where there is just so much textures and all these details and you could really um, get into um, into the experience. And it's like, it's hard when you're mostly just working with stuff in the computer and putting stuff on a website, for example, versus having a physical exhibition. It's a little harder to be like, this is really amazing because you don't have that. That's like why having the show is like so important because it's just the, you're, you're not going to ever, 
get the experience from just looking at a representation on a computer screen. And so being mostly on social media and not doing a lot in the world for a long time, while it's been a really great way to build relationships and develop my work and I love it and I like who I am on social media, um, it's also like just feels like you're just practicing most of the time. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so, yeah. Um, having the physical work in the world being related to is just, that's the real thing. There's no substitute for that. And as an artist, for me, my pictures on the screen are definitely a substitute. They're like, this is kind of like what I'm doing, but it's just yeah, not, it's not the same as the real thing at all. That's and as true. you can see with the physical work in your house versus seeing the representation, the representation made you go, oh, I want that. But right. the physical experience is completely right. different. It's true. That's still why we want to publish books and everything. I still want to be in print because it's just a different feeling than, oh, I'm on your tablet. Cool. Okay. Great. <laughs> so this was so your um, it's your gallery shows the end of the end of January, end of this month. Yeah. This oh my god, it is January, so it's the end of this <laughs> month. <laughs> and fine. then your then your actual reception is in February. February 3rd is the actual reception, Friday, February 3rd. The show will be up for eight weeks. Amazing. So it will come down at the end of March, I believe. And yeah, January to February to March, end of March. My birthday's in April. Okay. So it'll be very interesting to see what everything looks like on the other side and coming into my birthday, yes. starting a whole new phase. <sighs> it feels I've been doing this project for a long time. Yes, you have. <laughs> and this is just the beginning at this point. I'm still working on the music. I'm still working on more of the show. Like, this is just the beginning of it. But, wow, it's a big beginning, and I've been working towards this for, like, so long. Yes, so yes. I'm very excited. So if yeah. anyone wants to caravan across the country with me on Feb for February 3rd, let me know. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Bev, hop in the car. Come on. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we want to drive across the country in the middle of winter. It's going to be fun. I know. That's the only thing. It's going to be, it's the beginning of the year. I'm excited because it's the beginning of the year. It seems um, appropriate. It starts, it starts right at the Chinese New Year. And um, that's really of, exciting. Which is the year of the rabbit, I have learned, which is very good. Lucky, Lucky rabbit. rabbit, number seven, rabbit. I, I, it seems like the perfect season for your style of art. I also. feel like I finally make sense. And mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like I shouldn't have made sense this whole time. Because <laughs> I've been like exactly the same my yes. whole life. And I've been doing this my whole life. Mm -hmm. And yet it just somehow never made sense. I don't know yeah. why. It was like, I, it somehow happening. just, it, like, I don't know. I just wasn't the right time. And um, even though it totally was, but, um, yeah, like, I relate to what you're saying. You know, I've been here the whole time. Um, don't call me a comeback. I've been here oh, for years. Shit. <laughs> Um, <laughs> ain't gone nowhere. <laughs> uh, 
but it just does. It does make a lot more sense now somehow. It doesn't seem difficult to communicate what I'm doing. Whereas before, every time I try to communicate what I was doing, people just seemed to want to argue with me. And I got so used to that that I just assumed that that was pretty much what was going to happen like any time I put myself out there. And right now... Like nobody's arguing with me. Nobody's telling me to do it differently. Nobody's lecturing me. It's really weird. I'm totally down, but it's really weird. <laughs> respecting your your time. Yeah. What the fuck? Chat says the proverbial onion. Yes, <laughs> we are we are in that onion. And it's the internet too has come like I won't say full circle, but it, it has worked itself through in some weird way that what what was, you know, not cool before is now, again, like we kind of got away from, like people got so addicted to the internet, they were like, let me read the books on the tablet and let me get the digital art on Tumblr and, and not get the real thing. And now we're kind of finally mixing the world a bit more. At least it feels that way to me. Maybe, or maybe I'm just getting out more that, that I feel that way. But it was so like we were starting to get trapped in this box for a while. And because everyone in the whole entire world fell in love with the box. And we started to live in it. And it was right in the time when I was starting to not live in it anymore. So everybody went to the box and then I got out of the box and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm out here and let's play in the yard. And they're like, oh no, God, this box is exactly. So Exactly. They're like, but the box. So so it's kind of like people. And then, you know, with COVID, it like shook the normals to their core with making them stay in a box, literally. So now they want to get out again. And everybody kind of, I don't know, we're getting out. And we appreciate art as it should be appreciated. And maybe it is time. It's just the onion. Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, film photography has made an enormous resurgence. So like, for example, the analog uh, experience is definitely becoming a big deal. New people are flocking to film in a way that they have not before. Um, I started on film. That's all there was because I'm old now. Yay. And um I was in film for a while and, and working professionally for a while before digital became a real thing. Because digital was around in the 90s, but it was like that nerd with the one pixel, megapixel camera. Who the like, HP never, camera with the floppy yeah. disk in it, yeah. Right, like I don't care. I'm not interested. <laughs> but around 2004, it started to become very on the table. And there were affordable um, DSLRs that had good quality. And my husband's kind of a computer guy. And he said, this is happening. I suggest you get one. I was like, "Eh." okay. So in 2004, when I went out on the road and doing my photography, I had my first digital camera also. And so I shot my film cameras and I also experimented with this newfangled digital device to see what it was like. And I shot some stuff on digital and I shot some stuff on film and, you know, kind of explored the whole thing. So then um, 
I stayed with film professionally for a couple more years. And then in 2006, I started transitioning to digital uh, photography for my work. And I was actually one of the earlier digital adopters at the time. There were others, certainly, but a lot of people hadn't gone to digital. So I switched to digital pretty early. It was a real pain in the ass. The lab, there was no like established lingo. Nobody really knew exactly how you're supposed to handle the files or how you're supposed to print them or what color space to use. So it was like very, it was a whole thing. Um, it wasn't like now or you just like unpack it, plug it in, click, click, click. It's all perfect. Not exactly. But, you know, the tools are different yeah. now. It was a pain in the ass. So I did that for a while. And then I decided I just, you know, when I closed my business, I decided that I just did not like the digital workflow and digital photography had kind of ruined my love of photography. So when I went back to doing work just for myself and no longer shooting professionally, I went back to all my film cameras and I ran test rolls and I got them all repaired and tested all the lenses and tested all the bodies and got everything fixed that I needed fixed on it. Took years to do it because of where I was at. But, um, that's what I ended up doing was refurbishing all my film cameras and shooting film again, because that's what I wanted to do. And I thought, Oh great. I'm shooting grainy black and white film. Nobody's going to give a shit. This is not what's happening. This is very much what's happening. (laughs) This is very much what's happening. And, so and, I, I've been back on the film train, you know, almost 10 years now. So, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's hmm. weird. You know I always felt it. like that added an extra challenge to it. Because with digital, you just, you've got that unlimited nature to it. But with film, you really, well, I feel like you really are doing something. You have to look at it. You have to make sure you're making a good shot. Because film is not endless. In a way. Well, I do think film makes you more disciplined. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think that you can use any tool mm. and I certainly won't knock digital creators mm. because ultimately mm. they're creating, you know, and all of that. Um, yeah. Use the tool for the job. Um, but I will say I do recommend everybody learn to shoot film um, because I do think it, absolutely it makes you a more disciplined shooter. And um On the other hand, I was really a blessing when digital came along because film is expensive and I couldn't shoot very much. I had to really budget and I could only shoot a few rolls. You know what I mean? It was very expensive. And digital is no cheaper. It's just an illusion. You got to buy the hard drives and upgrade the cameras constantly. I mean, like it's so expensive. Film is actually not. But having the unlimited shooting at a certain phase was also a great development tool. So I think they're both. Having the freedom to just shoot unendlessly, to experiment, and to have that instant feedback can actually accelerate um, your knowledge on one level. But not having the film experience, I do think, can make you undisciplined. And um, you can shoot too much unnecessarily. I feel feel that way. I've not, I mean, the only film camera I ever had was like, you know, mom's Kodak. From 1989, <laughs> but I I was just I I, I thought that's why I, I kind of discredited photography like we've talked about before, how people kind of just think it's not as awesome as the other art or they used to think that, but because uh, I I thought I could be a photographer, but I'm like well I don't know it seems so easy, but it's not easy. 
I didn't know. I I have an eye for it. You know, you need an eye for it. You just you don't know that. But I would have I would have enjoyed that. But I think I I didn't learn that discipline when I could have. Um, and another thing about society now is like they they really came and went with the NFT bullshit so quickly. Such a oh I like I'm, like I'm happy that something finally came and went as quickly as it should have. I felt like that um, whole NFT wave. I felt like Bitcoin. I'm like this is what this yeah. is to me, what it looked like to me while it was happening. I was like okay, Bitcoin is full of shit. And they're trying to get all the artists on board to make, to one, validate their shit, two, to get a bunch of people to open wallets and to use artists to, again, get more people to, again, participate. I felt like as an artist that it was, I know there's NFT artists out there, whatever, do whatever the fuck you want. Personally, I felt as usual, it was just trying to get artists to come in and validate their currency by participating in it and that you know ultimately it was just kind of bullshit so absolutely i'm just glad everyone thought bullshit pretty quickly (laughs) Um, and i think that kind of also but it did help like guide people back to like reality of let's let's appreciate some real art here like something that someone actually went outside and took a picture of and or painted or wrote it's just so much better when it's not not i don't want to discredit the graphic artists either because that is an art that i I certainly to do nfts it was a huge push on twitter over the previous year before all the big crash yeah it's like photography nfts is the next big thing it was being pushed crazy Yep. crazy hard. Well, because only if people will invest in it, then it would be popular. That's all that this world needs is throw money at it. And okay, now it's it's cool. Well, and I get it. I mean, the physical world is challenging and physical <laughs> art expensive, yes. you know, and, um, and then you have to have the space to hold it. You know, I mean, uh, art is elitist in our society because mm-hmm. everything is elitist in our society. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. Like I definitely like to run the range as mm-hmm. want to do, um, w- work, that I can actually get compensated properly for the amount of time that it takes. Cause that's just the facts. Um, and then also do work that is accessible and that's always been what I've been interested in. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's tricky. Um, well, and then there's the, I mean, with like Bitcoin alone, but I guess same with NFTs, how long it or how much energy it takes to produce, especially bitcoins like the currency is ridiculous i never i I don't understand it i don't want to understand it but anything that takes the power of like china to complete (laughs) to make it's (laughs) it's it's awful it's such a waste it's yeah it's not environmentally sound at all and um it um well so here's what i was thinking the other day all right so Basically, Bitcoin is based on on the idea that solving a problem creates value and then that people invest in that. And so the currency exists, you know, just to make it whatever. That's the gist of it. It's based on solving problems. 
And so, um, conceptually, sure. But in reality, whatever. <laughs> Fuck you, tech world. Um, so, if you can make up a currency based on basically anything, all right, as long as people invest in it, mm -hmm. then why don't we make a currency mm -hmm. based on something fucking useful like making this planet habitable and equitable? That's to me the evidence of Bitcoin. The intention the, full, the reason it is the way it is is because the people behind it are turd buckets. I don't give a fuck how smart they are. Their vision is based on shit, okay? Right. It's based on manipulating economies. Right. Oh, you're so smart because you know this whole thing is full of shit. No, you're not, right. okay? It's cute. You think you're so special because you can outgame a bullshit uh, corrupt system. You yourself, that does not make you not corrupt, that makes you part of that corruption. Um, yes. You fucking and moron. Okay? Yes. So, end of the year rant, beginning of the year rant. Um, so, how about we have an equitable ethical currency? How about that? That's not based on slavery. That's not based on genocide. That's not based on stolen resources. That's not based on slave labor. That's not based on abuse. That's not based on classism. It's not based on the concept of ownership which is false. How about we create a fucking currency based on actual freedom? Not bullshit freedom, I do whatever I want because I have a Bible and a gun. Actual freedom, which requires actual responsibility and actual respect for the nature of actual fucking reality. Not this made up fucking bullshit. So that's what I would say because the concept of freedom is completely, again, utterly false when the entire society is run on an economy. And if the economy is also based on slavery, oppression, ownership, then you can't have a free society that's based on an ownership equ economy. End of story. I am so tired of this shit. Amen. <laughs> so you want freedom? Fine. Well, freedom costs, and the price is an equitable, truly free economy. Thank you very much. Love it. Agreed. <laughs> yes. One that does not take all the resources. Of I've, I felt like it's, you know, people can't get hard drives. They can't get computers, video cards, because this bullshit system is busy making bullshit money, in quotes, along with all the other things that you just stated so perfectly and it's uh, but you know that's what our show's about <laughs> well that's the thing is um uh because our economic system is based on theft and slavery um in order to create new markets uh, they have to start doing some weird shit like Bitcoin, you know, and they, they didn't go, they think they're so fucking brilliant. No brilliance would be inventing a new economic system that actually works. That would be brilliant. This is not a new economic system. This is just a game based on our current economic system. It's not interesting. It's not smart. Uh, it's just more of the same idiot, idiot crap. So there, that's what I have to say about that <laughs> to the one person listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, smart people. Anybody want to actually create a new economic yeah. system? That would be yes. something. Please step forward and uh, create that because we're we're all for it. <laughs> As we move into this year of the rabbit, the lucky lucky seven. So are there any any cosmic things to relate to us that you're aware of about our future? Ooh, cosmic <laughs> things about our future. Because you've been you've been doing a lot more meditation than I have lately. Uh, mm. I'm I'm getting getting around back to that, but it's been a, a distracting year, and uh, I think yeah. we're we're headed in a very interesting direction. But as far as like in uh, in general, oh, Bev would also like to know any visions for 2023. <laughs> okay so um you should come to a meditation class yes which are usually um, so saturdays on Zoom. saturdays and wednesdays and wednesdays okay wednesday night and saturday morning oh cool <laughs> um, now, now that you're having two i really should do at least one so Okay, on the subject of meditation, meditation's not really about visions, no. um, but that's, that's okay. It's about, you. although it kind of also is, because it is about insight. Mm -hmm. And you could, in my opinion, that's all that really is. Mm -hmm. um, because if you are just, it's there, the information is there. It's just a matter of whether you're seeing it or not. So the meditation practice is about cultivating an ability to see things as they are and to have that insight. In the actual meditation, I am not really um, thinking about anything. So I don't have a lot of things coming to mind. Um, and that's what I'm trying to teach people how to do is to stop that mind not that's that you can I stop the mind but you can practice until the mind calms down that's that's why i need to attend because i do too much thinking in meditation and work i through i work through a lot of stuff but sure. i would like to get to the less thinking part right you just have to sit for yeah. a long time yeah. and that happens yeah how long do you sit normally like in your own i mean well how long are these meditations that you do these my meditation class is only an hour and I do talk a little bit too. So we're talking 30 to 45 minutes of like actual meditation experience and instruction. And, and, which, and then, oh go ahead, sorry. Oh, which to me is just very I mean it's it's if it's good in the sense that it is a decent chunk of time. It's pretty short when you're talking about instruction. Yeah. It's challenging. It's a very short period of time to attempt to get people pat the thing is when you sit down you're gonna have that busy mind right. it's gonna be busy unless you've been meditating for right. you know ever and you're you just don't care anymore and the brain is like hello sometimes i'm like hello anybody home <laughs> yes when it's just smush it's just but, it's but like when, no. when you but and when you alone meditate as your as yourself right now in these in these years how long are your usual meditations i don't you don't not really. No, no, I just, sometimes I just stare off space, but no, I, um, I, 
I sat alone for a long time. Um, so I'm not actively meditating right now in a session-like experience other than doing the meditation classes, um, which has been an interesting thing. And I can't say I'm totally meditating because I'm leading the oh, class. Attention. Um, so, like, I don't go totally into my stuff, but I do a little bit. And, um, and I do find leading the classes to be really interesting at this stage. Um, I'm learning a lot and I do find it interesting. Um, and, uh, so that's cool. Um, and I, um, my meditation practice now is just more integrated into my daily life. So I'm just kind of coming into in and out of my mindfulness. Yes, throughout my day, I'm trying I try to apply my mindfulness as much as possible to my entire experience. It's you know limited as as everybody's is. So um, but I would say it's more just how I exist all the time. Not in like some perfect state or anything like that. Like um, it is sort of my primary, like it is in my reality all the time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like it's not compartmentalized. And the meditation class, I know we're going long now, but the meditation class has been really cool for me because I don't think people know that about me. And so when they read my stuff on social media or they see my work, they don't totally understand where I'm coming from. And it's kind of important for me now that people understand that I am really coming from a Buddhist perspective and that I am applying that and that it is my intention and my goal in my life to do that. I feel like they have context, even if it's just a couple people, for what I'm actually doing. And it doesn't, you know, that I'm not just like, like when I talk about shit, like when I talk about stuff I've gone through or especially if it sounds hard or painful, I feel like if they don't understand that I'm coming from the Buddhist perspective in the way in expressing it, then it maybe looks different. And so um, like I'm not in pain necessarily. I'm not upset necessarily. I'm just sharing what I'm going through. Yes. I might be upset. I might ha I'll have an emotional experience around it. I'll cry, but I'm not, it's not, I'm, I'm fine. Like right. I'm not, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, like, oh, I'm so fucked up. You know what I mean? Right. It's, yeah, I'm just observing my experience and sometimes I'm sad and sometimes I'm triggered and sometimes I have to rethink things. But all of my, the reason I talk about what I'm going through is because this is stuff I'm actually actively observing in my own experience. I am my own muse. I am excavating my life. I am looking at it. I am thinking about it. I find it interesting to write about it because I like it. <laughs> I, I'm not asking for anything. Um, I'm not looking, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying this cause I, I like if other people resonate with it, that's great. It's all, I am an art. I'm, a, I am my own work of art. Like all, of, <laughs> all of it is I just it. deal. Yes, like yes. this is just what I'm going through and like, you know, I don't. And so I think people think that I'm like suffering a lot cause I talk about <laughs> <laughs> You're a I suffering artist. Yeah. But 
like I'm also like okay with it too, you know. So, yeah. All right, got it. <laughs> that makes sense. That oh, makes and sense. so anyway, visions so, for the future. visions. Any visions? Yes. All right. So I feel like people have to understand where I'm coming from. Okay. And um, visions for the future. Okay. Um. So. I can only speak from my own experience, but um, based on like the big vision that this work is all about, that I've been doing for this time. Um, so co the pandemic was like a huge marker in what I was shown would happen, okay? Mm -hmm. So the pandemic hit and that went definitely by the book. And so this is what's interesting now, three years coming into the third year, completion of the third year, and I'm releasing Freed from Rage and Sorrow. And, oh, my God, I get, like, nervous even talking about it right now. And so... Um, Sorry. No, it's okay. We, we want to know. <laughs> what happens, like, I get stage fright when I'm t really talking about my real shit. Like, uh, that's... I get a little, like, whoo. Yes. So, um, basically... What I was shown back in the early 90s about the pandemic was that, one, a lot of people were going to die. That was very upsetting. I was shown that there was going to be new medical technology based on RNA. We have that. That's the vaccine. That was going to be a good thing and, and help people out, I think. Visions are tricky. A little hard to remember. But um, I remember that. And so... Um, then the other thing it said was out of that people were gonna and that's what I feel like I'm seeing this year I mean obviously the whole pandemic was hard obviously 2020 was fucking hard 2021 was really hard but I feel like we're showing it in 2022 like I feel like on a certain level what we've gone through is really sh what the hardship is really showing in a way that that's what 2022 was because before it was just react, react and survive, react and survive. And as a chronically long-term chronically ill person who's reacted and survived and reacted and survived that made her chronically ill. I knew the chronic stage of the pandemic was going to be coming in because fight or flight is awesome, right? We haven't suffered the consequences of fight or flight yet. We're like fighting, we're flighting, we're doing all this shit, blah, 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 blah. But then the chronic, the chronicness, long-term chronic fatigue, long-term chronic illness, we are going to pay the price of all of that fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I have aged like a lot in the last two years. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I'm like, wow, I look my face. I'm like, ah, that seems off. Those of us um, paying attention have aged quite a bit. I feel, no, I feel like it, it has taken its toll. I feel like that toll is starting to show. It took a lot of energy and, and, um, it took, we were on edge the entire time protecting, I mean, the whole deal, you know, so we went through all this and this is what the vision told me that we were going to go through this and people were going to really be suffering. And I mean, that's obvious, right? Obviously people are going to suffer from pandemic. There's a lot of death. But it wasn't so much the um, there's the immediacy and then there's the long term, like we live with this now for the rest of our life. That's what's starting to show to me. And that's what coming into this year is, is starting to look at we are now changed. The entire world has changed. 
uh, significantly. And we are not even clear on, on how significantly. And so we are going to be going further into that change and that realization. And what my vision showed me was that that this process ultimately was the catalyst for an actual global transformation. Hmm. Hope so. So, yeah, I, I don't know what that, I don't know exactly how that's going to happen or how that's going to unfold or how long it's going to take or what's going to be a part of it. Um, but people want something they didn't want before. That's so true. Yep, I'm hearing more of, I, I hear more about long COVID now more than ever and and then just that that changiness that uh that, that wanting i think that put it in into perspective perfectly as far as we just want something and the more crazy things get which since 09 it's been like one well if you check in with any normal person they're like god one year after the other is worse and it's continuing and it'll all continue like that so like the crazier it gets i think the more stable or more change we'll see and hopefully in, into the better for that because it's been worse so you know got to get better maybe <laughs> i think that if we intend it to get better and we do what is actually required to get better rather than what we would like it to be but oh. if we're willing to actually look at what will sure. actually work and that there are things that will actually work we are simply not doing them no. that we do actually have the power to change what we're doing significantly um that things we we take for granted as being real are actually far more illusory um if we really get down and look at it if you really sit down and look at things objectively um without um, the attachment to all of these narratives and are willing to let go of a lot of conditioned ideas, um, truly, truly humbly willing to do that, you will see that there are solutions, there are actions that can be taken. And if we all actually start doing that instead of listening to all the bullshit if we actually start doing what will really work, what really matters, even on a very small little level, um, I think that um, then it, it's not as difficult as, as people think it is. But the only reason any of this is happening is because people are supporting it at the end of the day. I mean, I know we're all trapped and we're all limited, but... People are volunteering in mass to do this shit. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. Bev says yes. I say yes. Yes. So there you go. There Problem solved. Go. Problem solved. <laughs> World better. Yes. There we go. So 2023. 2023. Here we go. We'll we'll be back with much more surreals. For sure. This year. Oh, it's getting more surreal. Oh, getting more I can surreal. tell you this. 
<laughs> it's only getting more surreal from here yes. because whatever the singularity is mm. and whenever it was, oh, it has occurred. And we are in the wake now. This all, it's, it's the train has left the station. That excites me. <laughs> <laughs> so cheers. Cheers to that. Thank you all for joining us. And we'll be back with you uh, right here on YouTubes. Woohoo. Woo Until next time, thank you so much. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs>